0: Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
3: Okay guys, the Weekside Podcast back for our second episode this week alongside Jenny Vrentis. I'm Connor Orr and um we're going to talk a little bit about football today. Um, you know, there, there's some news coming up with training camps and uh, where the league kind of envisions everything going. But I think we're going to start a little bit around where we ended last week. And that's just wondering where teams go from here. Um, I think that there's a sentiment uh, from everybody around the league that 2020, this moment right now, um, is certainly building off of the energy, the, um, focus that Colin Kaepernick brought into the equation four years ago. But the difference I think is that many more players are speaking out about it. Um, coaches are speaking out about it. Um, now whether they, it's because they feel forced to speak out about it or they're trying to follow in the footsteps of other coaches who spoke out about it first, um, that said, you know we have a situation where you know even Matt Patricia of the Lions said we're going to start talking about football when only when everybody in the locker room is ready to start talking about football, um, and it presents a uh, unique set of circumstances. I think for coaches who are not adequately um, equipped to handle situations like this. We've seen it time and time again where it's a deer in headlights when stuff like this comes up, but um, it, it, it brings up an interesting question, Jenny, which is where does everybody go from here? Where do players go from here? Where do coaches go from here? Where does owners, general managers, uh, the league office, where does everybody go from here now um, that it seems like, Uh, the state of play has come into a much clearer focus than it has uh, in in days months weeks past
4: yeah absolutely we saw vikings linebacker eric Kendricks say what actual steps is the league going to take to support the fight for justice and systemic reform basically saying that the league statement said nothing the league is built on black athletes so you know they can bring people in to teach us how we should interact with police he said but not make not work toward changing the behavior of the police themselves. Silence will not make this go away. So I think we're seeing now the shift is like, what are you actually going to do? The statements, some of them have been strong. Some of them have been inadequate. Um, And I think how teams follow through really matters, especially when you see a lot of owners who have publicly supported the president and who have thrown their money into uh, causes that are anti-social justice and have, you know, downstream connotations, right? So how are teams going to kind of take actions to flip things around and to recommit their their, their selves in a different way, not just throw money at the problem, right? And money's important, but I think there's a lot of other actions that teams are going to do. You know, I I saw Kevin Warren, who's the first black commissioner of a power five conference, big 10 created an anti-hate and anti-racism coalition. Um, You know, university of Minnesota is not contracting with the Minneapolis police department, but that includes security for sports events. Like would teams follow suit? Um, Not related to the NFL, but I was thinking a lot, you know, with the Olympics coming up, they've banned kneeling and so-called political acts, you know, would we see changes in that? So I think uh, the, the last week we've seen people more willing to speak up, but what matters the most is how they turn words into action and will they follow through on some of the things that they claim to value and want to emphasize moving forward
3: you brought up um, political money which I think is really interesting Um, right after the 2016 election or uh, right before the 2018 midterm election sorry um, I went through every um, owner uh, or anyone kind of associated with the ownership group of a team in the NFL every head coach and every general manager and uh, we listed their political donations which were both relevant in the distant past and um, leading up to Um, the 2018 midterm elections, and the skew was, I mean, it wasn't even close, right? It was, you know, I would say 70 to 75% of the league uh, donated to the uh, president, uh, the current president of the United States and his campaign and super PACs of the like, um, you know, some of which, um, you know, the Houston Texans ownership group was as far as Donating to a super PAC that, um, you know, promised to rid the I think the quote was rid the country of the scourge of immigration uh, was the uh, um, was the stated message of the political action committee that the donation was made to so. I I would be fascinated to see how communication in that way is going to be made given the times that we're in, given what's going on. Um, You know, uh, certainly uh, the current president has no trouble raising funds. Uh, The historic nature of that has been made very clear to us on a daily basis. But um, how will NFL owners uh, handle that specifically, right? Because we're probably in that prime time for that last push that last big donor push we're going to start seeing a ton of political ads on television Um, we've seen a couple um super PACs for uh, significant super PACs. i think that are very relevant to the coming presidential election forming um and i'm on both sides of the aisle and i'm wondering uh where owners are going to kind of lay there because you can't you can you can toss around dark money. I mean, that's sort of a disadvantage of our and a sad thing about our political system. But uh, there, there are ways to find out, you know, who's donating what. And really, that is, unfortunately, a lot of the way that people speak their minds now is, is through their wallet.
4: Absolutely. And another idea that came up this week, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, congresswoman, said it. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk also, and, and I definitely agree with this change the Washington team mascot you know i wrote a story about this about six years ago and it was a time when there really was a momentum growing behind changing the team name um and as things go you know interest ebbs and flows but the voices we ended up talking to native american communities across the nation visited handful talked to others uh, over the phone and the voices of the native americans we spoke to really stuck stood out to me. I know there have been different polls that the NFL has used to generate, or excuse me, to um, um, excuse the continued use of the team name, saying it doesn't bother Native Americans that much. I certainly found that there was not a consensus. I mean, there were different viewpoints across the board, but there were so many people that were Personally, deeply affected by the mascot name. You know, I remember uh, there were members of the Blackfeet Nation Tribal Council. They talked about how they were referred to by the R-word in Cut Bank, Montana, which is a border town outside their reservation. And That's the same town where they would be referred to by the R-word and also be denied service in some restaurants, which is, you know, incomprehensible to many of us. Um, and I remember there was a... A member of a, a council for the Sisseton wapitan Oyati tribe—I hope I have that right—he uh, talked about how, um, you know, the different slurs that he was called. You know, he'd get up to the classroom board and, and elementary school and be called different things. And so, when he was the chairman of his tribe, he started uh, a push to formally oppose a Redmond mascot of the high school and all Native American mascots. And so I think you just hear the tales of discrimination and how that personally affects people. And one quote that really stuck out with me uh, was a U.S. Marine veteran and member of the Blackfeet Nation, Stephanie Vial, said, racism gets really draining. Sometimes people accept it, not because they want to, but because it has been so repetitive. That's kind of what the... Redskins represent is our exhaustion. And I that really stuck with me. And I think if we're having a conversation about race in the United States and we have the Washington football team posting a black box uh, for Blackout Tuesday and supporting a social media campaign, then they need to have a serious conversation about the fact that their mascot is a racial slur.
3: Yeah, I, I, I can't, outside of, well, probably right next to the 49ers doing it, Um, you know, the having Washington participate in Blackout Tuesday was among one of the most sort of head-scratching moments, and it's a position that they've put themselves in, because, you know, I'm sure as a team, from a messaging standpoint, you don't want to be the only team not participating in it, but at the same time, you are currently the only team who's Mascot is a racial slur, and so, and and defeating the entire purpose of of the stated campaign, and so I don't know. I mean, it, when when things like this happen, um, you know, uh, they tend to shine a, a very broad spotlight on a lot of issues that are systemic in our country in our society. Um, but like we've talked about before for the nfl this this doesn't have to be that hard it's two or three or four things that they specifically can do within their power very easily um if they were interested in doing it but it just it it seems like what we got like we talked about last week was the safe statements and uh we're moving on to training camp you know and i feel like that's kind of their hope is that they can close their eyes and and get through this
4: yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of organizations, Sports Illustrated included, follows through on what promises or discussions that are happening right now. That's you right. know, it's easy to participate in a social media campaign or put words on a statement that say you you push for equality or you're against racism, but are you taking anti-racist actions? And I think a lot of organizations need to hold themselves accountable. Um, to this point, that's been the issue. You know, people raise awareness, they try to ring an alarm bell like Colin Kaepernick and many others, and we don't heed it. It doesn't translate into enough change. And so it's up to leaders across the country to make sure that this really is a catalyst for real change rather than just a temporary blip.
3: Yeah. So let's, let's go into the first topic because I think it's an interesting microcosm of everything that's going on right now, and that's that um, Saints quarterback Drew Brees had to clarify remarks. Um, I should put clarifying in quotation marks here um, that he made with Yahoo Finance on Wednesday after getting some backlash from teammate Michael Thomas. Brees said on Yahoo that he, quote, would never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag of the United States of America when asked about players kneeling. Um, but after um, a, a few choice conversations Comments from Michael Thomas on Twitter that seemed to be directed towards him, although they weren't directly um, addressed to Drew Brees. Um, He he went back and said, I love and respect my teammates, and I stand uh, right there with them in regards to fighting for racial equality and justice. I also stand with my grandfathers who risked their lives for this country and countless other military men and women who do it on a daily basis. Um, You know, uh, this is word meaningless word salad 101 um, here um, it's let's play both sides I mean breeze has made no secret about his vague interest in a political future um, and it seems like he's getting a great head start on that already because that's what we hear out of every press office in in the congressional district of Washington um, anyway but I don't know I mean is, is this constructive not constructive I mean is it uh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what to say specifically about Breeze because it seems like he's already figured out a way to get himself out of this and isn't really interested in having a meaningful discussion with Michael Thomas. But I don't know. Can these discussions happen somewhere else? Uh, You know, we've seen uh, and we've heard from players that the inclusion of white players coming out and making statements, you know, we've seen Carson Wentz, uh, Zach Ertz, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, you know, um, a, a couple of these other um, names that come to mind. Uh, Tom Brady signing uh, the petition a couple of weeks ago that all of this helps further the conversation. Um, are we will that help maybe bring what's happening now uh, a greater momentum, I guess, than it's it than it's had in the past?
4: Yeah, I think it was what what stood out to me about Breeze's comment was where he said, let me tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played right. or when I look at the flag of the United States. And he emphasized I in all of those things. And I think that just showed kind of a lack of understanding in that your perspective, Drew, is not the one that we're is, um that's not the one that's underrepresented. We are trying to. Make sure that we listen to and hear people who are underrepresented and are underheard. And so I, I felt he almost forcefully kind of said that, right? Like this is what I see, and it's like you can you can feel that, but you can also understand that not everybody feels the flag represents them. And it was just this strange lack of awareness, I thought, of um, you know an, uh, a community figure to say I my perspective is what matters to me in my opinion as to whether or not my black teammates or any teammates choose to kneel during the anthem
3: yeah i mean and and let's be real i mean you know i think there were some people that acted surprised um at, at this on uh wednesday and this is not the first time that this uh that drew has come out and done something like this i mean you know he forcefully tried to distance himself from the um, focus on the family coalition after he uh, read a message in support of them and uh, whether it was he didn't realize that they had a strong anti LGBT focus or chose to ignore it for the time being. I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to put words in anybody's mouth, but it's, it's very clear where his kind of flag is planted. And I think what you brought up in terms of, you know, him, him, recounting his own experiences the, the whole point of this is it doesn't matter what you are feeling or what i am feeling or what drew Brees is feeling it's time for us to amplify what michael thomas feels when he hears the national anthem or alvin Kamara, or any of his teammates that you know are never asked about that or if they are they're chided for uh, providing an honest window into their feelings and so i don't know i i, I we talked a couple weeks ago in this podcast about Hoping that the changes that are implemented with the new uh, alterations of the Rooney Rule result in at least one person listening during diversity training, having something click in their minds that wasn't clicked before. Uh, Maybe that hope is extended to the NFL locker rooms across the league when this happens and players can congregate together again and actually have these discussions in person.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really well said, Connor. It's going to be interesting when teams are back together and how different teams address this issue. I mean, that's got to be the biggest question for head coaches this summer. Um, And that's, again, why it's stunning that there is such a lack of head coaches of color and general managers of color in the league. This is just another example of a situation where you have a locker room of 70% of your team is feeling something that what uh, white head coaches will never fully understand and they're leading them through that. And that's not to say they can't be a leader in that situation, but it's why it's so important to have leaders in positions that where they can enact things like Kevin Warren with the big 10 who feel this on a different level and are more driven than others to take the actions that will actually fix it. Um, And, I think in Bree's case, the fact that he issued a statement so soon after that really wasn't very far from what he initially said. It was just kind of trying to straddle the line, uh, really indicates that he hasn't yet taken that self-reflective step. And I think that was really disappointing to see.
3: The whole my grandfather's thing is mind-blowing to me. Um, You know, I have relatives, close relatives that have served in the military um, at different levels um and i'm not going to put words in their mouth but i'm a hundred percent positive that they felt that whether it was world war ii or the korean war or the iraqi uh the iraq war that it felt good to bring um you know this semblance of democracy of freedom and that's what they believed that they were over there fighting for you know and to say that this isn't you know uh freedom, you know, to have an opinion on, you know, what's going on in America right now is, is just ludicrous to me. And I think that it's just so overused and it's such a such a meaningless platitude like what my grandfather fought for. I mean it, we don't know. I mean and it's just such a I don't know. It's it's a loaded statement. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's it's just it feels It feels meaningless when you, especially when you jam it into a context like Drew Brees is jamming it into.
4: Yeah, at the least it's an ill-informed talking point, but it's also harmful and hurtful to many people. Um, All right, shall I move on to topic two, Connor? Let's do it. Uh, all right. Ladanian Tomlinson called the treatment of Colin Kaepernick a black eye on the NFL. While Seahawks coach Pete Carroll, who, by the way, refused to work out Kaepernick after being unable to get clarity on whether Kaepernick would kneel for the national anthem, said that we as a country owe a tremendous amount to the former 49ers star. What happens now, specifically with Kaepernick, and does his message get a renewed energy in the 2020 NFL circle?
3: I. We talked a little bit about this last week and sort of the hollowness of um, uh, Lockhart expecting the Vikings to sign Kaepernick and that that would somehow make the situation better. And uh, while I don't think that's going to happen, I'm curious if any of this, a a renewed focus on this, the fact that he was proven right about everything that he was um, shining a spotlight on. Does that change anybody's mind? I mean, I I don't know. Um, Do we see him back in the league this year? um, Or at the least, do we see sort of a warming of um, coaches like Pete Carroll, who who treated conversations about Kaepernick previously as nuclear, like, just get me away from this, um, to maybe uh, coaches having more of a comfort level, at least discussing the fact that this guy was once a player in the NFL.
4: Mm-hmm. There's like an uncomfortable reality to some of these statements of people who were in hiring positions who chose not to make that hire at the time. Um, and so, like, if you know, if you're someone like Brian Flores and this is your second year as a head coach, you didn't have that opportunity when Kaepernick was unsigned. But uh, early on, at least, um, although, you know, last year he was still unsigned. So this is ongoing. And I think it's difficult to hear figures in the NFL weigh in and thinking like, weren't you, didn't you play some role in being part of the problem here? Um, So I am curious to see what happens now. Like you said, Connor, you know, it's, there's going to be a a renewed discussion of what happens and people will say a team sign him now, but is that what Kaepernick wants? And we talked about that earlier this week, a little bit, you know, he's a smart guy. He stood for something. He was rejected for it. And, and, would you want to play for a league that treated you like this so that they could hold you up as a symbol? I'm not sure. I don't want to I don't want to make speculations. I have no idea how he feels and maybe that is he would still be interested, but you know, if that was the motivating purpose to to without there being an, an acknowledgement of, you know what, we failed, we were wrong. Um, if the purpose was essentially like, "Hey, he's back in the league now; everything's fine," uh, you know, I think that would certainly seem to be a non-starter.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't. You know, it's hard because the league in, has dug itself into such a hole in in that regard that I don't know where you go from here. I don't know what what position you go that feels not gross you know what i mean and not Mm -hmm. um you know just trying to put a band-aid on it and moving on i don't know what makes players feel better at this point um and trusting the that the league would handle something like this again i don't know i mean it's just Mm -hmm. uh it's a it's a you know are we too deep in that hole right now you know what i mean it's 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 a weird thing to ask but you know are we already at that point where it's like well the damage is done and it would be nice if someone would just come out and and really uh, verbalize that and, and take, take the blame for it.
4: And then we saw Joe Lockhart who doesn't have as much invested, say the league messed up in not signing Kaepernick. But is there somebody who's, you know, like we talked about seeking absolution or whatever, but is there somebody who could, would really say, this is what my team decided. This was, the, let's be transparent about it. We were wrong. Um, we haven't seen that yet. And I'm, I don't know that we'll ever see that, but
3: yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting moving forward. I mean, you know, I think what would be, um, you know, I would love to, th- I think the last time we heard from Kaepernick publicly was after the workout, um, and he was definitely resilient at that point, um, certainly uh, strong on his message. Um, you know. And while it seems like he has preferred to do amazing work behind the scenes and to just let his actions speak for himself, I wonder if he takes this opportunity to maybe come back into the forefront and just, I don't know, uh, say what's on his mind. I mean, I, I think that... I would love to hear from him just to, and, and this isn't in a way that say like, where is, where is he? Why is he hiding? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that in the times that he has spoken in the past, I have heard, you know, a very inspired person, an individual, and I would like to, I don't know, hear, hear what he's thinking right now and, uh, you know, and, and just sort of get his, his thoughts on, on everything that has unfolded over the last few weeks.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and he's, you know, again, it's a difficult spot for him to be in. He took a stand. He was punished for it, and now we're all waiting to see what he does now. I mean, it's just a lot of pressure on on him, and I can imagine that uh, – that would be a lot of different factors to weigh uh, in, in, in the situation. So,
3: yeah.
1: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th.
5: With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
5: What's up? I'm John Wall. And
2: I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast
3: presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, um okay so we have uh, just a shorter show again today um like we we talked about last week we'll be back um next week with a mailbag episode which by the way um, if you guys have not seen uh, some of the Instagram posts that we've made or the Twitter posts that we've made um, you know, we'll start to get better at announcing uh, where you can find us but we, we do have a, a specific show email address and we've gotten a lot of great questions so far um, and our email address is weeksidepod at gmail.com uh, we check it regularly um, we've gotten a ton of great questions so far that we're really excited about so we're, we're definitely going to come back next week and with some mailbag questions talk about whatever's on your mind um and uh yeah so just a, a notification there, but um, a shorter show this week. So we'll end here on uh, just sort of the third news topic, and that's uh, a little bit of on-field news. Training camps will all take place at home this year, while uh, you know teams will not be allowed to hold joint practices, which certainly impacts, I think, uh, some coaches over the others who prefer um, to practice against other teams and not themselves. Um, you know, we've heard about the MLB, the NBA having a more concrete um, back-to-work proposal. The MLB seems to be nearing some despite some periods of chaos there. I mean, is the fact that the NFL is still planning on everything starting relatively on time? Uh, is it a sign that they still believe that this could actually happen or or um, are, are, are we, have we just yet to reach that point where their whatever you want to call it, uh, delusions of grandeur or whatever it is hasn't been checked properly yet?
4: Yeah, it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, the biggest issue seemed like this. How would teams come back safely amid the pandemic? And now the bigger question is how will they address a nation that's fractured on racist lines and how will they address those d- divides in their locker room? Um, but the, the COVID is still real and still Serious concerns. I saw the reports from Iowa State that there are four athletes in two different sports in quarantine, which I think was a little bit of one of those reminders that okay, like we can have an, we may have an outbreak as we start to return to sports, and uh, what is our plan, and will it work, and you know, can we stop the spread in within the sports community quickly if that's the case? And I think these are all still unknowns you know there's still a lot of work to go in terms of seeing if this will work in terms of getting these plans in place and making sure everyone's comfortable returning to work so it's definitely receded to the background rightly so um, but that's something else that in the coming weeks we're gonna have players and teams seeking answers to
3: yeah um, we we won't close the show with uh, a Ventus Consensus or uh, an Oracle or anything this week. But uh, I guess uh, one good thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that I just texted Jenny before the show. We've got maybe some new Weekside Pod fans on the way. We've got some baby turtles that were just laid in my, uh, in my front yard. So I'm pretty psyched about that. So maybe we can, uh, you know. Keep keep an eye on the baby turtles, and uh, you know something to uh, to look forward to. Keep us all sane for for uh, for a little while. But we've got also
4: also it's Connor Orr's birthday. If you're listening (laughs) to the show on um, Thursday Thursday June fourth is Connor Orr's birthday. Happy birthday to Connor!
3: Thank you. I can't believe I'll be able to legally drink now, (laughs) twenty one. What a year!
4: 21's a milestone for sure, Connor.
3: Definitely. Um, Well, thanks for listening, guys, as always. And, uh, you know, be sure to reach out to us um, via email, Twitter, um, our show's uh, page on the MMQB Instagram feed. Uh, We're here to listen about anything, you know, so feel free to to send us a message. And and thanks for always uh, being a part of our show.
4: Absolutely. We'll get to some of those mailbag questions in future weeks. We appreciate them coming. That's weeksidepod at gmail.com. Want to hear any of your thoughts and look forward to seeing you guys again soon. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and products. Mark Moravik is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.
1: Live Nation presents Concert Week.
5: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpresscom Amex.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of Steel Battery Tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK Systems X through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.